and holler savage the dark When I seen a man chilling with his dog at the park I approached him very slowly with my heart full of fear Looked at his dog, oh my god Welcome to Wednesday Comics, to my right, AP18 himself, Alex, how you doing? Hello everybody, I'm good And to my left, the G-Dub himself, Garrett, how you doing? Doing good. Wednesday Comics Podcast. My name is Marvin. Uh, usually we tell you the comic books coming out for the week and review some comic books, but this is a special episode this week, as you may have noticed from the title of this week's episode, or if you listened to last week, you know that it, we're in award season for uh, Wednesday Comics, and so this is our annual Top 5 Artists of the Year, Top 5 Writers of the Year, 5 each. Uh, not just writer artists. Uh, that's why I broke it up. Top five, top five. And we'll go through that list. And then game four of the comp book games is on. Garrett is up one game, two to one. And we'll see if uh, Alex can tie it up again or if Garrett takes an early lead, three to one games. We'll see. Uh, as Like I said, no reviews this week. No uh, forecast this week. We'll get right into these top five since we have two of them. Gonna take up the majority of the show there, but make sure to uh, check out what's coming out as you always do. Uh, Previous World usually has uh, a nice list for you to look at. DC, you have to, I don't know where you just go to DC.com, I guess, DC Comics. And then when you're done with that, go to RainbowComicsAndCards.com, your definitive source for all things comic books. Set your order up for your books and get them in the mail. It is Christmas time, so expect some presents. May, you know what? Give yourself a present. You've been good this year. So uh, before we get into these top fives, let me, uh, I want to I say this up front just because uh, I had a hard time with one top five and the other one I thought I pretty much kind of nailed it down just thinking about it. The other one I had to write out. And as I went through um, my list, uh, so writers for me anyways, I had like, I had six and so I had just cut one person and I really just thought about it. Like what did I enjoy the most this year? What really like, if I could have gave one up, uh, what, which one of these would it be? And so it was easy for me to figure that out. But artists, artists had a great year, guys. I think I like, I had a list of 10 and I had to cut five from it. Uh, and it was very difficult. There's also one caveat that I'm going to have to throw you guys away and see whether or not you think it's credible or not. But uh, I, I think it works. I think it works. But um, So last week I started first. So this week we'll go with uh, Alex first on the top five artists of 2020. Alex, what's your number five? My artist number five is Dan Mora. And uh, you know what? A guy who doesn't normally have that many books that are coming out. He does a lot of covers. Uh, but Dan Moore has been on Once in Future and the uh, always elusive winter special that we're going to get from uh, Klaus or Claus uh, down the line, I'm sure the 23rd of uh, December. But that is a book, specifically Once in Future, that has been spectacular. And uh, Dan Mora is uh, honestly probably the winning point for me in this book. His art is always so crisp, always so nice. And I think back to even the past Christmases, knowing that even the, like that last one last year was just what, however many years of Santa, and it was amazing, and they were all different, and his his style is so fantastic, and adds uh, a lot of gore to Once and Future. This book has been amazing, and a lot of it is uh, the art itself. There we go, Dan Mora. Uh, actually, Alex, you missed it before you got on new uh detective uh creative team was announced and mora on art oh, and yeah. uh what was it 
Mirka Mariko Tamaki. So in oh, the, really? in the Detective mm-hmm. 1027, remember that black casebook one? Uh, yeah. They'll be taking over Detective Comics. So that's actually very exciting. I believe the three of us uh, really enjoyed that one. I just showed Garrett to refresh his memory. And like that, I think that was the most exciting going forward. And it makes, it makes sense, right? Because Detective is having about the casebook now. And so uh, we're going to get a continuation of them doing that. But before we get there, we got to celebrate 2020. Uh, Garrett, artist number five, what do you have? Um, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, we got to interview him, uh, Rob Guillory from, uh, Farmhand. Um, that book, the way, I mean, it is just so beautiful. And like, obviously you guys know what his art is like from Chew, which I don't have a lot of experience with Chew, but, uh, Farmhand looks amazing. Like there's so much color and detail put into this book. Um, you know, he can show, a wide range of emotions and different genres in his stories um, from horror to comedy to romance, just everything you could think of and just the most rich color palettes uh, for this farmhand universe. Um, You know, I think it was an even extra big treat to get to talk to him this year after reading 14 issues. So I think it's 14. Um, but yeah, so much looking forward to because I know here after the new year, we're going to get uh, back into farmhand and can't wait to see that beautiful art because it just adds to that story so well. And I, mean, I had forgotten all about farmhand coming out. I, yeah, was well, I had to go through of books, of books. Yeah, I had to go through like all like I, I always list out what my stuff is every week on a Google Drive. So I went back to January 2020 and I just started going all the way up. Uh, Rob, I'm not mistaken. And he mentioned it on like you said, we interviewed him. Uh, does everything on that book. So, like, not only talking about, I don't, is there colors? I don't think so. I think he does colors and inks. I right? think he colors, but I thought there was a letterer. There might be a letterer. Yeah, there's yeah. a letterer. But in, in terms of coloring, ink, and artist, uh, Rob does it all. So, that's even more impressive on that book, like you're saying, Garrett. Like, so it's such a wide facet of different kinds of genres within one book. And then also from one artist doing a majority of all the art duties. So, uh, good stuff. Um, I do want to say, uh, before we start our my top five anyways, uh, I do have a special shout out for uh, Colorist of the Year, uh, Dave Stewart. Uh, I was When I was going through all the books that I purchased or read in 2020, uh, similar to Garrett, except mine is uh, uh, done for me by my, uh, my servants. Uh, I went through all the comics I got in 2020, and when I'm looking at art and being like, okay, I, like, I knew that artist. But I kind of was looking at like the series details and the book details attached to each book just to see, make sure it fell within our guidelines of 2020, or at least the very end of December. And Dave Stewart is like on literally every single book for the artists that I pick. And so I just was like, that dude's got to get a shout out. Because uh, it used to be that uh, our, uh, it used to be more widespread, I feel like. And I mean, there's a couple people that kind of moved on to writing. Uh, and aren't colorists anymore but dave stewart is like the classic colorist and getting so much work because he's so great and a couple of these like i would say uh turn this a uh maybe even a minus uh comic book art into a plus masterpieces just because dave's colors on them so uh before we get to it here i mean before uh my number five once again (laughs) so like i said i had i had 10 and for some reason i crossed out three and i just deleted my number 10 i don't know why i was like get the fuck out of here number 10 but 
Uh, I just wanted to throw a nice uh, shout out to uh, Caitlin Yarsky. She's doing Bliss. I thought that book looks fantastic. Uh, Mateo Scalero is on a couple issues of Harley Quinn, uh, the White Knight Harley Quinn, which looks fucking fantastic too. A uh, different kind of style than we've seen on Black Science. Uh, and then Marco Cicchetto, who's been doing Daredevil on and off, but uh, for the most part on. And I thought that looked fantastic too. So my number five, uh, like I said, this was really hard for me. So I kind of went and was like, what art this year not only jumped out at me and was like, that's fantastic, but what art actually storytelling-wise really pushed story forward this year? And my number five is uh, our good friend uh, Phil Hester on uh, Family Tree. Uh, a lot of things. I mean, that whole creative team for that is fantastic. We could go on about the colorist or go on about Jeff Lemire. Uh, and But I think if you uh, remember from the interview we did with the panel f- for Family Tree, uh, Garrett was talking about a specific panel, and I won't mention it now in case you want to go back and read it. But something significant happens in that book, and it really is a pivotal moment, and I think the art plays a big part of it. When you And we spoke to Phil about you know, these people turning into trees and how gruesome and uh, grotesque it looks and also looks painful. Like a lot of that is told through that art. And it's probably one of the first times of me reading some sort of, you know, sci-fi supernatural kind of thing and being like, uh, that world is like ugly, but yet somehow still beautiful. So when we like do that jump to the future, uh, you kind of were like, well, it's an apocalypse, but also trees took over so now it looks beautiful so i mean <laughs> um uh very uh very much enjoy that book and when i was thinking about it, i was like it's got to be the art too like i some of even some of the action panels there's one scene where uh the jed is his name jed grandpa yeah uh judd uh is judd? Okay. when he is, or maybe it is jed i can't remember now when he's in that gunfight uh even that like action panels i think really uh are great in this uh, series. And so I had to throw it out there for Mr. Phil Hester. So there we go. Number five. Alex, number four. My number four is going to be Chris Samney, uh, who's doing Firepower right now. And I, you know, the weird thing is that I'm, I'm going back to the books that some of these characters, some of these characters, some of these artists have done, but that's what's like, what dipped my foot into this. And how I've seen these artists grow so much is his firepower is amazing. Uh, and that's really probably the only book he's really done, but it was on my on my stack tonight. And I'm looking at it going, oh my gosh, this cover just itself is amazing. And how much Chris Samney can put uh, with zero words to show a fight or just to show emotion uh, is fantastic. Um, to add to that, Alex, my number four is also Chris Samney. So, <gasps> boom! Fire power! Um, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, his art style just speaks for itself. And had, did you ever read that prequel graphic novel yet? No, I was too busy reading X-Men this time. <laughs> All right. God, you got to get to it. Cause literally <laughs> there's like a 15 page ninja fight, no text at all. And it was, it's probably the best thing. And one of the best things I've seen in comics in my entire comic book reading career, which is most of my life. But still, I think the, the detail he puts into that book and, What's really nice about Firepowers at the end of each issue, uh, him and Robert have like an open discussion, basically, about the book. And you get a lot of insight on how Chris comes up with ideas for drawing for the book. And the one I find very comical is the drawing of the Nikes. Uh, Chris Samney hates drawing Nike because it's so specific. 
Uh, he likes to be more, ge- I mean, he likes to be detailed, but like more general in the design aspect. And Robert Kirkman's like, we need these kind of Nikes on here. We need these kind of Nikes on this guy. So he's putting like brand new <laughs> Nike on all kinds of characters and whatnot. And yeah, I mean, he just, the action, the comedy, just everything that uh, you can see visually in the book, he just masters so well. And like, how fun is it to read like a ninja firebending book? in 2020 i mean when maybe that's part of it it reminds me of avatar last airbender and right without all the airbending exactly <laughs> it's, it's so strong it's just so much fun like it's like a, there's monasteries and ninjas and samurais and cults like fighting cults and i mean there's family stuff going on too but you know the action just really flows from one panel to the next and it it looks choreographed as well like it doesn't it's kind of like it reminds me of lazarus where it's like you can tell it's not just like cutscenes of like punches and jabs, you know, it's like legit. It flows from one panel to the other. So great artist. My number four Winters. is, Sorry. um, so this, uh, artist, um, I was trying to figure out, I believe he was on a book la- uh, earlier this year in which I also enjoyed his art, but, uh, I couldn't remember what it was. Uh, must've been a book. Um, that maybe you guys no I no I think I read it but it must be one of those books where it's a bunch of artists maybe an annual or something like that he did some work earlier this year anyways there's one uh, series that he's currently working on that if you go back to the two reviews we've done for both issues that are out so far this year I absolutely uh, gush about the art and it's fantastic and it's really something that not only adds to the uh, material, I think it also elevates it to uh, making it super enjoyable for me, and that is Jorge Fornes on Rorschach. Uh, once again, Dave Stewart doing the colors. Um, Dave Stewart doing the colors, but I think I think also if you go back to our review, especially for the second issue, a lot of that issue works for me because of that art, and I think if you don't have this kind of style within this story, it kind of falls apart because there's a lot of quiet moments, there's a lot of little things to look out for and not only that but the world looks a little rougher on the edges kind of looks pulpish uh very pulpish and so i like uh to see that and i'm i'm looking forward to not only the rest of that series i think that oh batman annual four that's the one he was on so um was that this year was that last year alex batman annual four that was last year it was last halloween um but anyways jorge foreign is like the decision to have it on that book, I think Tom King, one of the greatest things that he's done uh, in his uh, career is working with great artists. And it's always the high point of his work. Uh, and it's no different in this book. It's it's beautiful to look at real, like not super realistic. It's still it's still more like a hyper realistic, um, but it definitely is kind of style that puts you right in the story. So. That's my number four, Jorge Fornes. Number three would be uh, Andrea Sorrentino, who we see uh, uh, frequently in Gideon Falls. Admittedly, uh, the biggest focus for me in any book that he's ever on is the the focusing points, where you get to see the um, what you need to see, whether it's a sleight of hand or it's a pickpocket or what have you, what's in that jar. Uh, 
that is one of my favorite things, and it's almost in every issue. Hey, uh, that's yeah. Not only getting false, he did uh, two issues, I believe, of the Batman uh, Killer Smiles. That was called. What's the What's the first? Series? Oh, the three. Yeah, that's right. You're right. The three issues. Yep. He did two of those, and then he Joker's did that. Killer Smile. And then he did the one shot that they had a couple months later. So that was also this year on Joe Sorrentino. I don't remember reading the Batman one. I have it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but you're, I forgot all about those three books. Yeah. So and those were epic. Right. And to see the change of style from uh, Mr. Psycho, or what, are, what was the silly clown's name, the evil clown's name, not the Joker, but the story puppet. I don't remember. Happy Hands? I don't remember. Mr. Smiles? Mr. Smiles. Mm. There you go. Uh, and to see that change from his regular style to that other style was is fantastic. Way more cartoony, just as scary. Uh, and no one can draw uh, the smiling man as terrifying as Sorrentino. You know what, Alex? Okay. I can never forgive Sorrentino for introducing me to that smiling man because he haunts my dreams now, <laughs> and uh, I haven't got a good night's sleep since. That's what I imagine the Babadook is like. Nah, so. th- this thing would eat the Babadook for breakfast. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Garrett, what's your number three? Uh, my number three is from early 2020, um, for the most part, and that would be Sean Murphy for Curse of the White Knight. Uh, we got the last three issues of Curse of the White Knight and the Victor Von Fries, uh special um, all uh, at the beginning of 2020. And if there's a guy that can put you know pen to paper and detail in his art, that'd be Sean Murphy. And not only have we found out that he's a great writer, but his art is just immaculate and like I've never seen a panel before where you could fit and I know I might be talking about just white knight where you could fit like 50 easter eggs in one uh, one comic book panel and it's not even a full page it's like part of the page so um but with curse of the white knight I mean the gruesome action with Azrael and then just that Victor Von Fries issue which I might be cheating and that might be 2019 but I feel like it's 2020 um it was just so fun, and yeah, I can't wait to see Volume 3 of White Knight. You know, in the meantime, we get uh, Harley Quinn, and he's doing the covers for those. So even there, you just see his just spectacular line work and sketching, and it just looks beautiful. So definitely one of my favorite artists. And definitely I, I wait for Tokyo Ghost to come out again. Oh, God. I mean... God, Tokyo Ghost is so near and dear to my heart. I don't know if I want a second volume because the first one was just so good. But it could happen. It, it, it definitely was a uh, consideration. You know, actually, I'm excited this year because usually you guys bring up people. I'm like, I didn't even think of that person. I, think, I thought of everything buddy, that's been said today. It's just that my top five, like I said, it's very hard. And Sean Murphy was one of them who I thought about over and over. Uh, like you said, though, like two of the issues came out this year, and even though that still counts, I'm not throwing away your thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, even though I was impressed with that, also, um, I think the my people, my top five, like really spoke to me this year. But you are correct when you're saying like, if you look at those books and the Sean Murphy style, like if, if you go back and even read early Sean Murphy, like if you read uh, Joe Bo- Joe the Barbarian, or you read you know Punk Rock Jesus. Um, and you read, then you go and read White Knight, and then also read the uh, follow up, the Curse of the White Knight. Uh, it definitely is a different Murphy, uh, but it is still from the same kind of roots. Like you can see where that person went, 
But I think he's refined his style so much that not only can you point to him and be like, that's Sean Murphy, but like you were stating now in terms of storytelling, like those books are like fantastic because not only is a story elevated and gripping and uh, um, put in situations because it's outside of continuity, so Sean can do that. But with his art, it brings a kind of almost fun and uh, but also very uh, disheartening kind of look at Batman. Like you have all the gadgets and all the cars like Sean Murphy knows what makes Batman exciting for some people, especially himself. And then he really has moments that the emotion really does shine through, especially with what happened to Bruce in the last series. And so uh, those moments don't work without Sean Murphy's art. And I think that's really where he's coming to his own is not only drawing the cool Batmobiles and stuff like that, but that second issue, that second series sings because of those emotional moments. And so uh, that's a good choice. Uh, Like I said, definitely was a uh, consideration of mine. um, And it is a fantastic choice. Sean Murphy uh, right now is, you know, co-writing or I guess doing the co-story on the Harley Quinn. Um, And I just kept thinking when I was looking over my books, I was like, when's this fucking third one coming out, bro? Like you better be working on this. (laughs) You know, I just think of like scene of the year is when, Bruce gets the Timber and Batmobile in the, in the second volume and like Gotham's empty. Just beautiful. You know, I don't think there's a series and this is actually uh, a huge compliment for this book. Uh, and if, if it tells you anything, listening to this and you haven't read Batman white Knight or Batman curse of the white Knight, or even like you said, the Mr. Freeze issue and even Harley Quinn, even though it's not his art, it's, it's Scalero's, which is on my um, uh, considerations and Dave Stewart on colors. Uh, I don't think there's a series between the three of us that all of us agree is like top notch. Uh, we definitely like like the same series and we definitely go crazy for the same series. But I think all three of us agree like since that thing has started, it's been like absolutely fantastic. I don't think there's been a lot at all. It's just one of the best Batmans to read. Not only that, but like I was saying bef- like before, like he definitely knows what parts of Batman really make him... Uh, relatable, but also like cool. And it's, it's, it's kind of w- w- when you read it, it's kind of like you get, I mean, this is really kind of, I'm not, I'm, I was cleaning up the spoilers. Uh, you get a Batman that can be grieving over somebody dying. And then the next fucking issue, you have seven different Batmobiles rolling out of GCPD to go after a villain. And you're like, holy shit. You're like looking over those Batmobiles. And so like both aspects of the character work. And I think, it really tells you how much Sean knows that character, Bruce, not only Bruce, but Batman in that world to make both things work. So usually, cause usually you get one person who knows the cool stuff and it's missing all the emotional stuff or you get somebody who leans too far to the emotional. And then you're like, uh, well, Batman now is like, um, not really the, it's, it's still good, but it's not the cool Batman I'm used to. So, um, good choice. Good choice. Uh, that really got me. Gary talking about got me excited because I was like, "Oh, maybe I should have put that on my list." But once again, hard list. My number three uh, did not. If you really think about it, this guy did uh, about um, we'll say twenty issues this year. Even though really technically, like four or five came out, Uh, and that's Michael Lark with Lazarus Risen. Um, especially the last two issues, there was pages upon pages 
of just art telling the story with Greg Rucka not having to put a, pay, a single word of dialogue on them. I went back and looked at them. Not only last issue with the sequence of them going through and killing uh, members of that family and finally like taking care of business uh, a la the end of the Godfather spoilers. Um, but a, and the, in the issue prior to that, we have a lot of uh, the two um, Lazarus, uh, both same person. Uh, what's her name? <laughs> I, I totally just spaced it that forever, forever. And uh, there's a lot of that story also that's very silent and told in panels. And also, like that's another book. And when I talk about Sean Murphy and his ability to dance between emotional and uh, uh, cool. And this, Lazarus, has the ability to dance between looking super realistic in terms of, like, the technology, the weapons, all this kind of stuff, but still having enough style that it doesn't seem rigged. It doesn't seem like um, reading, you know, an encyclopedia. Uh, it's still super exciting, still super super action-bound. And, and it is a book that when you get these, and, uh, these quarterlies, as they are now, the way that they've been doing them for the past year uh year year and three months um it really is a is a series that like can use that time within an issue because the issues have so many pages to basically tell a whole issue silently and it works because it's part of a, a whole quarterly issue and not just a single issue and uh I, I there's not a book more that i stare at well, there's a couple coming up here but there's not the third most book that I stare at and get lost in is uh, Lazarus with Michael Ark. So uh, really excited to see more of that. I as came out for a little bit. I think I was looking and the mm. last one came out in September. I swear we just had one. Or yeah, maybe four we had one in November or October. Maybe oh, it was okay. September since we last talked about it. But It was like September 27th or something like that. I don't know. I might have mixed up with number four. Uh, to be things. fair, October and November just blew right by. You know what? So September 27th? A that's a Sunday, December. so that could have been impossible. Alex, number two. My number two, uh, it's not necessarily a newbie, but he's probably a little newer to the scene. I chose uh, Jacob Phillips from, uh, which Dinky? That Texas <laughs> Blood. Sorry, I could not remember what it was. You know what, Alex? And, uh, I'll jump in too. Number, yeah. number two is Jacob Phillips also. Really? Yeah. I, I was... I actually was looking through number six. I hadn't read the issue yet. And just the few pages I had turned, I was like, oh my gosh, this art is so, so beautiful, so fantastic. And I realized the part of it, I want to give credit to the colorist as well. But the lines are great. The, the, is he the colorist? The one thing he does so well is faces. Alex, he, I think he colors that book too. Does he really? Well, I then I got to sure. give more credit to the colorist because it's the artist <laughs> himself. I'm pretty sure I'll double check. Go ahead. But I look at the faces, and his faces are so good. And I, of course, I'm thinking of uh, Jim Bob or Joe Bob or the sheriff, because that every must his mustache has got just enough lines in it to be realistic, and yet it's not overly done to be almost boring. There's still, like you said for the la your last book, he's got some style to it that adds a little flair to it, adds a little excitement for me. And a part is that that book in itself has serious moments, and yet isn't drawn to be that serious 
it still enlightens you to have a little fun to even let Jacob have a little fun with the story that he's telling with with this art or when we're watching uh, Randy uh, battle his demons of drinking or you know what uh, when I'm watching that hand grind that hand get caught in the little vice grip and tightened up enough to knock him out and beat the shit out of that guy I'm oh my gosh this is so good I'm feeling this pain and even when that dude's down falling down the stairs and is knocking on the door it's just that little bit oh it was that excitement is in these these pages and a lot of it is is Jake the way Jake writes this not Jake I'm not his best friend but Jacob draws this book uh he is the colorist and I'm assuming also the letterist and the inker because those two are the only people credited on the whole book so um <laughs> they must do all of it and I'm assuming Jacob does the art portions of it I will say also yeah uh everything you said plus so if we go back to remembering uh our talks about uh his dad's uh book kill or be killed kill or be killed yeah um i kept reiterating in that issue like the best thing about sean phillips art within that series was the acting if you can call it that like the way that they emote uh the characters the way that they handle themselves but also the space between the dialogue and they take to have moments where they just like look at each other or give each other uh, a moment and those things work because of the art. And so in issue uh, five, uh, there's a scene with uh, Joe Bob, Joe Bob, Jim Bob, Joe Bob, uh, and another officer that that whole scene is basically two stories. The stuff happened in the dialogue, but also, what is happening uh, within the uh, movements. And uh, like there's definitely, so there, here's what I mean. There, he's in there, he's reviewing the case and he goes, Deputy Flores. And she kind of like steps back. He's like, yes. And he's like, can you step in here, please? And she goes and sits down right away. He doesn't even offer. Uh, and she calls him sheriff and she goes, he goes, you can just call me Joe Bob. And he sits down kind of leaning forward on his arms and she's smiling at him, and he's talking, and then he kind of says something that kind of gets her serious, and she leans forward, and is very angry, like, you said a murder? And then he kind of leans back more, kind of like, uh, in a way that you can't tell, like, she's obviously, like, really into this job, and like, I've been talking about the whole time with that book, like, new cops versus old cops, and Joe Bob is a, a man of an older generation, and you have this new cops out there that are like gung ho about getting out there solving the crime and really getting into it. And I think between those two within that panel, uh, those panels, like it definitely that story is told within that. And it's little things like that. And then, like you said, uh, uh, Alex Randy and his drinking problem, like there's a lot of things here that obviously I can see and be like, you have a lot of father of your father in you, uh, Jacob from Sean. And but there's also new stuff, uh, new uh, tricks. We'll say that the dog has learned, and uh, those new tricks I feel like make this also feel fresh. Uh, there's a lot of moments uh, in the uh, issue six uh, in which we have a uh, different uh, timeline. Uh, there's like a little flashback, and even that he changed up his style for that. Uh, and it's just I don't know. There's something about this book that's haunting, that is compelling, and also really sells these characters in terms of like, not only is the, the writing help me believe what's going on in these pages, that art, it feels so natural 
that I feel like I'm watching a movie, which makes sense. I mean, the thing was a screenplay and then they decided to make it a comic anyways, but it is super, I don't think people give enough credit to artists who can portray characters in a natural way, in modi natural, like a lot of stuff. I mean, even comics, when you think about comics in general, a lot, I would say probably 67% because they're superhero comics, a lot of comics rely on big action scenes, big splash pages, and react on the things that look good because a lot's happening. But when you really get down to the quiet scenes and these moments in which it really is two people on a page, the emotion and the selling of their acting, like that's what makes this book, and that is way more difficult to do. Uh, and I think this book succeeds at that. Not even succeeds, it exceeds at that. And uh, it's part of the reason why I love this book, because like I said, it feels like real people, and you get invested because uh, like one of the major things for humans is seeing something that you know looks human, emotes like a human, and you feel empathy for it. And And they really sell it in this book, and it's part of the reason why you can have a character on screen and you could be like, I know that guy. Like, I, I feel for him and I hope nothing really bad happens to him. Or you see uh, one of the sons of bitches in the desert and you say, fuck this guy. Uh, because <laughs> of the way he looks too. So, I mean, <laughs> I, all, all, all aspects of the art within this book, I think, sing. And, uh, baby, I'm listening. I'm listening until you stop singing, baby. Uh, that's my number two. So, Garrett, what's your number two? Uh, my number two uh, is Mark Cicchetto from Daredevil. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, He is such a great artist. I mean, I was coming off the high of season three of Daredevil, which I watched like three years late or two years late. Uh, you know, and literally from that screen to the page, I felt like it didn't skip a beat. I mean, his art is so detailed and just so appealing to the eyes that it's instantly one of my favorite artists for comic books. And I wish he would do more. I mean, I'm lucky he's doing Daredevil, but I want him on everything. I want him on Batman, Superman. I want him on everybody, Spider-Man. Like he is just such a great artist. And like those, God, the all like we're at issue 25 of Daredevil and he's done the art on like 24 to the 25 issues or 23. And, He's just an amazing artist, and I think that Daredevil as a book, you know, written by Chip, I uh, can't do the thing. That uh, Marvin, that's your cue. Uh, but I think that... <laughs> Zarsky! No, I can't do it, see? <laughs> but I think that book would suffer without his art, and it's such a gritty street level, but like... It's just so, I don't know who does the colors, because I don't think it's him, but whoever he works with as a color. Is that Holland, Hollingsworth? I think it's Matt Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just so great to look at in the fight scenes and, like, the emotion in each character's face you can just feel. And, like, you know, he, what's different from this run, as opposed to a lot of Daredevil runs, is we don't spend too much time in uh, Matt Murdock's, like, super sense vision and i think uh that kind of separates his art from most daredevil artists and that he did he does it sometimes but for the most part he just lets the outward art do all the work for the story and there's some issues where there's just scenes that are in silence and you just it's just 
Oh, like I think of like Daredevil and Electra. Like there's a couple issues in there where it's them like breaking into a building, you know, and you're just like, man, this is done with such finesse. Like you can feel like when they step down from like the ceiling onto the floor, like you can just feel it in your in your ears, even though there's no sound. Obviously, like them touching the ground because the art is just done so well. So. Yeah, I really am enjoying Daredevil with him on art, and I hope he sticks around for a long time because, yeah, he is one of the best. Like I said, maybe you know, a short list, but I cannot forgive him for that Daredevil prison mask. Yeah, that. well, <laughs> I haven't read that issue yet, so we got to see. I think part of it is that you had said, Garrett, that the 23 or 22 or however many issues they had been that this book, I feel, would suffer. I would agree because there was the one issue we had, and it wasn't the annual, uh, but what, issue 24 the last one. or 23 that it was the Iron Devil thing. And the mm-hmm. the art had changed, and it was the book was still okay. It was readable. But that art change was enough to make me go, ooh, if this is going to stay, I don't think I'm going to stay. You know what, Al? Because that, that's exactly that, what, what I did, too. I was looking through books that I've gotten this year, and I was like, oh, this, one, this definitely is a contender. And I actually had clicked on first the issue that he didn't do, uh, and I looked through it, and I was like, what, oh, this is way different than I remember. And then I looked at the credits, and it wasn't him. And then I looked at a couple of issues he did do, and I was like, yeah, this definitely is a contender. But the same thing you said too, Alex, like this series, I think really, and Garrett, this, this series really, a lot larger part of it that makes it work is that art and that issue that he wasn't on. Uh, you definitely can tell that. Um, not that Chip's doing a, Chip is doing a bad job. It's just that uh, uh, Chichetto definitely brings it to different planes. So as you said, gritty. Uh, all right, back to Alex here. Alex, your number one. So my my number one is, is you know what? The only thing I've really seen him on lately is uh, well, there's a book that we actually talked to him about on our show, and that would be Phil Hester. Uh, and the biggest thing I bring up is from issue eight, the 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 scene that Garrett likes, and they actually talked to uh the whole team about is is fantastic. And a lot of that was was the colorist himself, but the book is so fantastically beautiful. And I'm talking about Family Tree, of course, for those who may not know my uh, beating around the bush without saying anything. You know what? Silence is key. Uh, anyway, sorry. Phil Hester does such a good job of of the details of making like like Marvin had said, these people are turning into trees, and how much painful, how painful it's got to be because it's not just your arm turning into a tree like Groot would. It's your arm is literally becoming stiffened and your blood is no longer your blood. You're turning into a tree with uh, the phylum and your xylem. And instead of having regular organs, now you're just bark and wood and cellulite and all that jazz and how much it would hurt to change from one to the other. Uh, The book being so gritty and yet so honestly, so much fun to read. And I, I give the whole team its credit, but it's a lot of, it. I think is Phil pulling it together as well where he's got the job of, of showing you this stuff and and getting your heart pulled into it. Because sure, you can read the words, and the words are good, and you can enjoy the colors because it, it draws your attention. But without having those, those well-defined lines and even kind of the scratching of other parts, there wouldn't be a book. I mean, it definitely, um, as you were saying, Alex, like, I know, there's, it makes it special, that book, uh, in a way that, um, uh, like, Jeff Lemire's story for it is also great, but I feel like a lot of that book that really uh, 
drives the emotion and really like makes my heart start beating is that art and it really it, it makes it something else that you haven't seen before yes the uh story has twists and turns but i don't like that it doesn't work without phil hester and the rest of the team on that book i don't think them turning into trees is as horrifying without them on that book i don't think the future being as uh, uh desolate and yet somehow hopeful uh doesn't work without that team and I don't think the family dynamics and uh, the uh, story told uh, not only from the uh, father, Jed, Jed, no, Jed, um, wait, yes, uh, not only from uh, his viewpoint in like the kind of flashbacks with the son, but even the uh, future stuff, uh, it still works. Like it still works. Somebody's fucking, uh, somebody's a fucking tree. Uh, somebody's uh, uh, bleeding out or somebody is having a heartfelt moment in a bar uh, with his father. I think all three things work well in this book. So uh, good choice. Number one, Gary, number one. So I talk about the scene all the time and I'm giving number one to Mitch Gerads with, I think of that scene where uh, Adam Strange is looking out at the city of Rand. That is the most spectacular image that I've seen all year. Uh, with the starlights and like the, I don't know if that's, you know, and then the absence thereof, like the best art I've seen all year. And I think, uh, he's just killed it in the series. Like he, you know, vision and, uh, uh, Mr. Miracle, um, have also looked really great, but I think that his best work has been in this book so far. I mean, there, that's that issue with, um, Adam Strange's wife trying to seduce uh, Mr. Terrific. Like I could just see panel by panel her trying to do her very best to like manipulate this man. And then like by the end, like I turned the page and I was just like, Whoa. All right. Like that was like such an intense scene and he drew it so well. And man, this book is just incredible. And I think it's largely due to the fact of his art. And yeah, I wish I had a pinup of that, um, of the strange adventures issue with uh, looking at the city of rant because it was just spectacular. So, um, uh, here was my one that I said I was going to cheat a little bit. And it is uh, from the same book. Uh, I actually put both artists on my number one doc and Mitch because, mm. uh, I don't think that book works without the duality of their different styles. And I think when you see Mitch, which actually it's it's funny you bring up the Mr. Terrific scene because that's the scene that played through my head. That was Mitch's best work in that series and also the uh, City of Rand. But then you get to Doc doing the story of them stalking that rock cave. And I feel like that's a very uh, pivotal point of the story and told fantastically from Doc. And Doc's been doing great with like the uh huge uh pages of uh the planet what's the planet's called what's the name of the planet uh ran oh okay just uh, the city and the planet same name oh uh good call i can't remember <laughs> anyways the ran ran there's a lot of like ran desert ran. blue skies <laughs> uh aliens and for not one moment does and I think if you go back and, and kind of view it from like the first couple issues to where we are today in that war in the past, uh, you definitely can see Adam go from 
uh, uh, person who was like, his suit was fucking clean. They like definitely were naive going into that battle. And then now where he is definitely like doc can also make him beat up and brutal. And, uh, it still like looks fantastic. So, I mean, I actually agree. Like Tom King obviously does great work. Uh, uh, I, uh, probably wouldn't have been, been one of my favorite writers in the last couple of years. Uh, but definitely art wise, I feel like this book sings and these two really help it do that, uh, in a way that I kept like looking at. So what I did was I wrote out my artist and then I was, I placed them in the, uh, order and this one I kept leaving cause I couldn't figure out where it went. And I really did, uh, uh, look at a lot of these books and like you said, Garrett got lost in a lot of this art. So I was like, it's gotta be this book. It's gotta be these two. Like, uh, uh, every single page, like whether or not it's doc or the next page is a bitch, uh, it all works. And it also works to elevate that story to, I feel like a place like this is one a- aspect that I feel like that story is fantastic, but that art is another level. Like that art is like, like you said, Garrett pin up, like you, you, blow that up, put it in a fucking frame, and I'm going to tell people that it's uh, classic art they don't know about. And they'll be like, oh, it looks cool. <laughs> As a top five artists of 2020. Uh, so we're going to segue right over to the writers. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, artists uh, draw the pictures, but it sometimes doesn't work without the writers. And so, uh, Garrett, we're going to start with you since we started with Alex the last time. Garrett, number five, top five writer of 2020. Uh, I'm going Donny Cates for Thor. Um, you know, coming off of uh, Jason Aaron's tenure on Thor, we have Donny Cates, who's, uh, well, what did I say? I heard tenure, and I thought, I don't think it was 10 years, but you said 10 years. It was sorry. a long time. It was, but I, I misheard. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but I think Donny Cates has really taken Thor and done something brand new with the character that. I didn't expect, you know, being a herald of Galactus and, uh, you know, basically kind of getting bored being the king of Asgard. Like, you know, we've seen this great destiny in Jason Aaron's run of Thor being the king of Asgard, but Thor gets it and he just sits on his throne. He's like, well, now fucking what? Like, this is boring as hell. He likes the adventure. He loves the thrill. And I think, um, the way Donnie's interweaving this story, uh, you know, to make Thor really care about Asgard instead of, you know, it reminds me a lot of Thor the movie where he's kind of arrogant and he's like, well, I earned this title, so now I get I'm get whatever I want. And he's actually learning a lot of life lessons from uh, Sif and Beta Ray Bill um, throughout the story. So, yeah, I think Donny Cates uh, with Thor is just incredible. And again, it's an direction that I didn't think it would go. And I think that's made this strong is like to take a character and have them go through something different um, and still have those great character moments that you still recognize as the character that you're reading about huge. And so I think that's why Donny Cates is my number five um, and crossover would also be, I mean, that was issue one and that was really fun. I need more to kind of dig- digest that book, but are you still getting venom? No, I'm not. Okay. Neither am I, but I I know that's gotten a huge acclaim from what's been happening so far. My number five is a man, once again, that maybe didn't write uh, a lot of issues this year, but definitely wrote a lot of pages. 
uh, Greg Rucka. Um, you know what? You think he'd be higher in this list, but he's kind of lowered this year uh, because of that black magic. <laughs> and um, uh, I just uh, haven't been on board with that one as much as I should have. But I feel like Lazarus Risen is uh, definitely a reason to put him on this list. And, and when I was thinking about it, you know, I think the hardest part for a writer to do is to know what to cut. Because a lot of people like to be overindulgent and like put everything in, even things that ruin the pacing or your storytelling and all. And I think Greg is great about knowing what to cut, what a supplemental that he'll include in some sort of encyclopedia or back matter or whatever the fuck he needs to put it in or uh, needs to go inside of his game that he's making or whatever. But he knows what the essentials are for the story. And I think this year with the kind of scale back, uh, kind of technically, in these kind of quarterly issues, I think it really does show him. I mean, he does show that he was like, uh, the only thing that could be in these issues is the lean meat. Uh, we definitely have uh, a couple things to chew on, but all the stuff that is not pushing the story forward, like he leaves that for the back matter. You can catch up on the other stuff. And even that stuff, I think, is fantastic. And, and if it was included in the story, it still f- it would fit, but how much of it is actually driving the story? And uh, for that reason, I find uh, Greg Rucka to be my number five top writer of the year. Every issue of Lazarus is like my birthday. And so uh, uh, <laughs> I just had to put Greg Rucka on here for giving me presents this year. <laughs> I would, yeah, Greg Rucka was almost made my list, but didn't cut it this year. But yeah, because I have black magic. Close. <laughs> Lazarus has been good, but I don't haven't gotten enough presents this year to be okay with him being on my list. And maybe I can't forgive him for not putting a previously on page in Black Magic. But he doesn't Lazarus. I don't know. The, the guy's kind of two minded. Alex, number five. So my my number five is uh, he his. His wrath extends many, many, many issues. Uh, even in November, I think 22 of them had come out. Not all necessarily written by him, but story-wise was through him. Uh, Jonathan Hickman has his foot in many, many doors, all in the X-Men realm, uh, with the quorum on, on hand as well. Uh, if Black Money Murders ever came back out, which it has in like two years, whatever. But the biggest book for me has been X-Men, so specifically the title X-Men. Uh, has been amazing, and especially in the X of Swords. Okay, one random thing, guys. I have been holding my phone to my face like I have to talk to it, and I don't. I'm wearing a headset. <laughs> I still feel like an idiot. <laughs> you sound like an idiot. It definitely, pro- <laughs> it definitely probably was up to your headset and not to your actual ear. Correct. <laughs> it was that to my face, so I'm talking to my phone in my headset. Anyway, sorry. Uh, lost my train of thought. I know I'm talking about X-Men, Jonathan Hickman. Hickman. Had a brain fart. I will say this, Alex, true. until you can think of what you're saying again. Uh, he definitely was like my six. Like it, it barely, it, definitely in terms of like pure superhero stories, he definitely was the top. Um, I just found it hard this year. And when we go through the rest of my choices, I think you'll see uh, that is true. But I, I don't know why, but I think this, <laughs> this year. the court case. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think, uh, what did I say? Cases? Uh, when, uh, it came down to it this year and definitely hope to reverse it in 2021. But I was definitely invested in 2020, like reading a lot of uh, realix, realistic and kind of grounded kind of things, whether it be fiction, nonfiction. And so it was hard for me to escape. Uh, and so a lot of super health stuff didn't do it for me this year. You know, thinking back and looking back at 
stuff, uh, issues I'd gotten. Like I went through a lot of uh, my past issues and uh, I've noticed that my Subaru self has been kind of dropping off and I hope maybe in 2021 I get the hope back, but who knows? I think the, the, the thing for me that Jonathan Hickman had to be on this list is that uh, for all the comic books I've gotten this year, I've got to say probably at least almost half, if not at least a fourth, at least not a half, have been in his realm of some way or another he has guided the story, whether he has written the dialogue or has just helped guide the story. Uh, X-Men's been most of my, my books I've read this year. Uh, I literally just finished up uh, X of Swords, and the X-Men title books for that run have, were so strong. So even if the whole book itself was eh, it's okay, and I know that Jonathan Hickman's going to lay down groundwork that's still going to lend itself to later issues that he will write, later issues of X-Men or New Mutants, or whatever else he puts his hand and foot in, uh, well, that was a weird statement, for those books. But when you have Apocalypse talking to uh, to Genesis, I, there was just this love and this, this, I felt like those two were a couple. And it was the dialogue themselves, and it just it, it really sold me more on the book. I mean, the art was always good, but I feel like Jonathan Hickman knows how to write a story and knows how to get me excited. And I want to see what else he can lend it to, and what else I can get drawn into. What else there is at stake uh, with Jonathan Hickman at the helm? I uh, I definitely will say like to catch it up on X of Swords. It definitely is in the kind of same aspect like the monolith like this thing is uh, like the thing in Marvel that does not feel like Marvel but still is Marvel in a way like if you think back to the Avengers New Avengers it felt very different than everything else going on it felt less superhero-ish but also call but calling back to the age of superheroes uh, from uh, the 70s and 80s and it, in a way that let you know that Hickman knows what he's talking about, but also he's like, I'm not going to write this in a way that is easy for you to read and you have to work for this. And, and sometimes, you know, what, that's enjoyable. And I definitely, like you said, uh, 22 issues in uh, basically a month, month and a half, uh, you definitely have to work for it. So, uh, Garrett, which number uh, four? Four? Yep, number four. Uh, my number four is Tom King for Strange Adventures and Rorschach. Um, you know, here's a guy that... I wasn't very fond of writing Batman. Uh, there were times in his Batman, uh, like tenure, I should say again, um, that uh, he did great work. And there was other times where I was like, what the hell is this? It felt like almost two writers were writing this book. Um, and then you get to his series where he can really focus on the characters and their, uh, you know, surrounding people and like Heroes in Crisis, Mr. Miracle, Vision, and now Strange Adventures in Rorschach here. Uh, I found that he is, you know, overly creative. And that's what I like from writers is them being able to tell a story that's different, but again, doesn't make me like, I still see the essence of a character there. Um, and you hope to see that same essence in other works by different creators. And I think Tom King is just really breaking the mold of superhero comics. And, you know, cause you could be that, you know, I, we know when a comics filler, like we've read enough comics in our time. We know when a creative team comes in and is like, uh, the flash has put on his costume backwards. Like we wasted 20 pages, like <laughs> something stupid like that. And Tom King's really taking superheroes that we know 
but putting them in situations that are different, that aren't predictable. And I think that's what really makes him a great writer. And he tries new things. Like I think, you know, in an industry that is always jokingly dying, uh, to come up with new ideas to make the comic book industry fresh and exciting and fun. Uh, that is why he's a great writer. So he's my number four. Uh, my number four is uh, a man that we know as Chip Zdarsky. <laughs> so uh, not only Daredevil, but Stillwater in its uh, very infancy here within the first few issues, uh, I had to give it up to Chip. Like, he can definitely, like, this is a superhero thing, but also, it, like like Garrett was saying when he was talking about Trichetto, the art and the story is really gritty and, and kind of a a comic book story in which um, definitely feels like it tricks you into thinking that it does have stakes. Obviously, no, you know. Well, I guess I don't know. I guess they're going to die, but obviously he would be brought back. It's like nothing permanent was going to happen. But I think the thing about superhero comics and the thing that makes them really work is making you forget all those things. And I think this year, Chip Zdarsky has taken the uh, man without fear and really reinvented him in a way that not only makes him interesting again uh, from where he was, but in a way also doing that to the story, making you forget that this is a character that has, you know, Marvel behind it. And this really could be any, like if Chip was making a super, his own superhero comic and I feel like this might be it. And I just, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things that you read and it gets your, it's a great action movie. And what I mean by that is like, you go to some action movies, you shut off your brain. And in this one, it feels like it tries to not only make you say, wow, uh, but it does it in a great way, which almost kind of feels like Alex. I don't know if you agree. Uh, actually, Gary, I think you've seen this too, right? The the raid and like those kind of movies, uh, in a way, not just because of the style, the way that it's shot, but there's something about the raid that feels dirty and gritty and feels like, even though the main character is probably going to survive, he's definitely going to get there limping and bleeding out, and uh, uh, it's going to be one hell of a ride. I think that's Daredevil uh, this year, and then Stillwater is still fucking like uh, on a roller coaster. I'm still on a roller coaster on that baby. So I don't know. I'm, I took some acid and I hit I hit the road on that thing and it's making me freak out and making me uh, second guess everything I knew about life. So You speak of the raid and I actually last week was watching fight scenes from raid two and raid one. Uh, so yeah, I, I totally understand what you're saying about Daredevil fighting and the fight style in that book specifically does match the raid and how much it makes me excited to read that book when he does go kicking some ass. Uh, Alex, turn. three, okay. three, four. No, four. Okay. Four. <clears throat> My number four is Tom Taylor, uh, the mastermind behind Suicide Squad, the 11 issues that uh, was probably the best DC book I have read that was supposed to have a, you know, continuation, but of course DC's got to make some cuts, and uh, the good old SS had to take the hit. I, and actually, that's not, not even the only book. Uh, Seven Secrets. Garrett, we read Deceased earlier this year, before the plague mm-hmm. happened. It's still uh, going. Oh, you dropped it. I dropped all the unkillables and the killables and all that extra stuff. I got other it's books I got to buy. This is the sequel. Dead Planet no, is the direct sequel. I had to buy all 20 different issues of X-Men that come out in one month. I couldn't get the other stuff. 
but you know, Tom Taylor is the one of those writers that Garrett has talked about for years, uh, saying how great he is at writing, and he had never done any uh, incontinuity things. And then when Suicide Squad came out, we gave it a shot, and it really was fantastic. When I saw the Seven Secrets was coming out, and I was already on board. I just had to see that Tom was writing it, and I, it's been great ever since. And actually, that is one of those books that two weeks ago I told the boys that I read issue three or issue four or whatever it was, and I actually almost got choked up. And that was when I knew that this this writer had to be on this list. Uh, there was no question. I didn't even have to go looking through my books to decide who was going to be on it because I knew that Tom had to be on this book on this list for the show for the way he made me feel. And when you can make me have a cheery eye, or I know that there are stakes in a book, that's all it takes to make this list. Tom Taylor. There you go. Uh, Getty, what's your number? Yes. Number three, Jeff Lemire. Um, You know, normally he'd be a little higher up on the list. And even though he's still pumping out books left and right, like I think there's just been some stronger books this year. Um, But I think, you know, Ascender, obviously uh, Gideon Falls. um, What else? Oh, I just read today the Colonel Weird Cosmagog. um, Sweet Tooth Return just came out, too. I I got that um, last week, but I haven't read it yet. Oh, my God. I read it. It was beautiful. It was such a good return back to that Black Hammer universe. Um, I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. But um, I would say, you know, one of my favorite books of his is Ascender, uh, you know, all the way through uh, Marvin's favorite book, Descender, because Marvin knows it better than mm-hmm. anybody. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I just read the last issue of Ascender uh, before it goes on a break, and Oh boy, was it just so good and can't wait for Alex to catch up. And I don't know if you still get it, Marvin. Um, but Jeff Lemire, you know, we had him win our award show as our number one for like three or four years in a row. I mean, what a great writer. And I think it was you know, a three I feel like The man got a turkey. Yeah. And I feel like every single year we get closer to maybe being able to interview that guy. We just know so many people around him, like. It's going to happen someday. We're going to get Jeff on the show. I can feel it because I just I just respect his, you know, his work uh, method so much. I mean, not a lot of people can pump out as many books as him uh, in a year. and He does it constantly. Like another honorable mention of his was that uh, threshing place for the Hulk. Uh, that was great. Um, I mean, there's just so much that he does. And, you know, learning about his writing style for Family Tree from Phil and Ryan um and gosh you know he just he does blow me away and the fact that black hammer is starting to kind of creep back uh into the comic world because there's been a it's been a long break like i'm so excited um and family tree you know that is a very compelling story that obviously has deep roots uh inside him get it deep roots um uh you know really touches the home for everyone working on that book um so, yeah, I really commend him as a writer. And, you know, anything he writes, most of the time, all three of us are going to go get that book. And it's just because he is really detailed on his story and his plot lines. And he really recruits these just amazing artists to help collaborate on these amazing stories. Uh, two points to what you said, Garrett. I am a fan of The Descender. I really like Artie 55 and how he likes them humans. And uh, <laughs> the second point 
um, <clears throat> to what you said. Um, God, what was I going to say? Jeff Lemire. Anyways, we'll talk. We might talk more about Jeff, Jeff Lemire later. Who knows? My number three uh, is somebody who you would think is would be higher in this list. Uh, I did go back and forth on like my top three. I like, kept shuffling around. And you would think he would be higher in this list by the way that I've spoken about his work this year. Um, but it just came down to the amount of things they're putting out with high quality. And this person only has one book, really. Uh, and so he appears at number three. is uh, Chris Condon for that Texas blood. Uh, all the reasons I say that Jacob Phillips succeeded at uh, the art that he does, that also is uh, part of Chris. Um, if you turn into the inner pages of That Texas Blood, you'll notice that the the only thing that's credited in this book is That Texas Blood by Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips. It does not say writer, artist, or anything like that. So I'll credit both of them with the storytelling. Uh, Jacob was two, and, the, and Chris Condon was uh, three. Uh, fantastic book. Well, definitely one of my favorite books. Definitely, uh, if you heard last week, my best new series of the year. Uh, it definitely is a book that I am on for the long haul, and it definitely is a book that really makes me glad I took a chance on it. Like usually we, we talked about last week, like my new series, usually it includes a writer artist that I am kind of used to. And if you listen back to the criminal reviews, Jacob Phillips, even though on those books, I think he actually does a good job and eventually got to a point where I, uh, I could see his art instead or his colorist instead of Betty, uh, who's been on a little hiatus, but, um, Jacob Phillips's art with Chris Condon telling the story, just it's it's definitely one of the best series that I've read this year, and uh, for all the reasons that I already mentioned, and I'm not going to restate them again, but just know that this is definitely one of those books. When I get it, phew, that thing's gone in two seconds. You know, it's kind of like a nice, uh, a nice cookie. You know, M M&M and M cookie, maybe sugar cookie. Who goes either way? And uh, this thing goes down. Nice cup of glass of milk. And uh, it definitely is my go-to on weeks where I'm like, uh, that's going to be good this week. And you know what? Still uh, six for six. So, Alex, what do you think? My my number three is going to be Chip Zdarsky. Chip. Not going to even attempt it. Nope. There you go. I'm not even going to attempt it because I can't. My voice will crack. Uh, Daredevil. Fantastic. I actually was looking at White Trees, and I know that came back out in uh, August 2019. But... Chip is an amazing writer, and I think the the power that he has is that he can write a superhero comic, he can write his own book, uh, Stillwater, which is that horror-esque uh, cult book that I, when I read number two, it's still sitting on my stack, and I'm looking at it going, one, that cover is fantastic. But that aside, that story is so interesting, so uh, mind-boggling to know where you even come up with that. Uh, I can't wait to read more. And same with his Daredevil, where we, we went from a Daredevil that I was okay reading into a book that I can't stop reading and can't stop saying good things that uh, Marvin and I actually had to get Garrett to jump back on the train with us because uh, we were going to leave him behind. <laughs> or kick him back off, one of the two. And this book is so fantastic, and a lot of it I do believe is going to be from, from Chip. Um, writing Matt the way he does, making it more of a even more of a, a Matt-based book and Matt's struggles being Daredevil and Matt, I just there's not enough good things about what Chip does as a writer I could fill a whole hour, actually I really can't because I'm struggling to come up with stuff right now for you but I know that I love how Chip writes and the way he focuses characters 
is really a selling point for me. Um, well, I was going to segue that in because I think it's my turn. That's he's my number two. Chip is, and uh, you know, specifically for Daredevil, like you know, Chip before the last couple of years, we've known him as a very comedic writer, and like now, like I find him to be more of like an action, you know, adventure type of writer. Because like with Daredevil, he's doing amazing work. Like his stories are complex, and like you said, Al, like with Matt kind of redefining what is daredevil you know this storyline starts out uh somewhat spoilers uh with it with a murder and kind of coming to grips with how did i get to this place how did daredevil get to this place where he's now killing people uh to achieve his objectives and that really uh kind of shook matt down to his core and made him you know question who's daredevil supposed to be what kind of hero is he supposed to be and i just love when a writer just knows how to get a character down to their core and their essence and really show us uh what they're made of and i think that's what defines a hero is like really taking a character down to rock bottom and seeing how they persevere and i mean 25 issues that's that's a year or two a storyline and thankfully for me i got to catch up so i got to read like 20 issues in a row and it was just a fantastic story um to get to where we are now and you know that annual i didn't like too much um but i'm guessing that's going to play dividends later but man did he write daredevil so great and not to say there's like no comedic moments there's like i would say dark knight trilogy amount of comedy where there's like a cheesy one-liner every here and there but uh i think that his writing with Mark Duchetto's art is just the great tapestry of Daredevil right now. What's your number two? That was my number two. Chip, oh, chip. I thought you talked about him earlier. Did you not? Huh? No, you ch- you talked about Chip. I thought yeah, you, you, I thought you talked, about, talked about Chip. Because Gary said he wasn't even going to try talked. to do Chip. Huh? You said earlier you weren't even going to try to do Chip. Well, that was with uh, uh, Art. Oh, I was, when I was talking about Chichetto, I was bringing up Chibzarski, and that's what I had all to right, do right. thing. My number two, so uh, um, Alex, I mean, uh, Garrett brought it up earlier, and my number one and two fought it out, and definitely both of them have a lot of titles that, uh, or I guess multiple titles, not a lot, but multiple, that I had to look at and see which one uh, kind of went uh, really sung to me. And not to say number two does not sing to me, but it definitely is not as strongly as number one. Uh, so uh, my number two writer of 2020 is somebody who Garrett just mentioned uh, had a three-peat, but this year does not make the number one, Jeff Lemire. Uh, Family Tree, fantastic. Uh, the um, Gideon's Fall, Gideon Falls, fantastic. It, it, Jeff has definitely been... Uh, it, and then the uh, Batman Killer Smile and the uh, aforementioned the Batman. What was the second one called? Smile, smile Killer? Batman smile Killer. Killer Smile and Smile Killer, yep. Um, those were fantastic too, except, I mean, the, the one-shot thing could have been a little bit better. But um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I think Jeff still had a very strong year. Uh, the things I enjoy from Jeff were kind of uh, like the Royal City and things like that, which uh, were... Not as much predominant this year as as they were in years prior, but um, 
I still think he had a fantastic year. I think he's still definitely an A plus uh, writer and definitely one of the hardest working men in comics today and does not suffer from it. Every single book I feel like is, uh, if not a B plus, A plus. And uh, the man's putting out amazing work. Um, and for all the reasons, you can go back for the past three years or anytime we ever talk about Jeff. Jeff is basically, to me, uh, not a human anymore. He's a god. And um, this man, <laughs> I think, can take any kind of genre. You throw anything at this guy. You know what? You know when you do those activities to give you a word prompt and you got to make a story out of it? Jeff does that for dinner. I mean, for breakfast. <laughs> and probably dinner, too. But this man just like plops out a, a could pop out a short story and be like, and you'd be like, man, this is the best thing I ever written. He'd be like, yeah, yeah, I got to go do something else too. The man not only is a workhorse, but he's also a prize horse too. This man knows how to do stuff and get first place. And he does it every single day. So, um, I won't go too much on Jeff Lemire cause we've over three years gushed over him. And if you don't know yet, you know that we do love him and he's just, uh, kept up the, the strength this year and uh, almost made it to back to number one and went back and forth, but I had to save that spot for somebody else. So, Alex, what's your number two? My number two is going to be, uh, I forgot what his first name is. Give me just one moment. I wrote it down and then I can't remember. Uh, it's Chris Condon, actually. Mm. So with only six issues under his belt, that was enough to save him a spot. And I think it was enough to show me that he knows how to write a book. And along with... Uh, Jacob Phillips, I know that, like Marvin said, they, they're both accredited with the story itself. But I'm going to give him the, the writer's prompt. Uh, uh, but six issues is enough for me to to give this man a book and to give him the second title to be like, you know what, you're not quite number one. But you've written six issues, and that has blown my mind. And especially when I wasn't expecting to like number one and to go into number two and number two blow me away. And then every consecutive issue after has been uh, phenomenal, whether it's a 9 or a 10, depending on the issue, depending on how I'm feeling, whether I've had a monster that day to spruce me up or not. It's always amazing. And I look forward to seeing however many issues we have left to wrap up this book and to have that dialogue be enough to, to draw me in and to let me know that there's real shit at stake. And uh, Jim Bob. I hope you make it because that, that honestly, that is going to be my breaking point in this book is when we hit that climax and shit hits the fan. Garrett, you're number one. Um, Alex brought him up earlier. Um, I think this has been an amazing year for this writer and that's Tom Taylor. Uh, I think, I guess this would be my, uh, I don't know what you call it too, but back to back, uh, Double? I think I back I think to back. Had, yeah. That's what you call it. Yeah. I think I had them. <laughs> Uh, last year is my number one, but Tom Taylor. Um, I mean, I have had so much fun reading the books that he's put out this year. Uh, Deceased, um, Suicide Squad, Seven Secrets has been like a hidden gem this year because, you know, when a superhero writer kind of branches out into their own creative work, you really hope that he brings the same fun that he did in the, you know, big two. And he's brought it. I mean, Seven Secrets has been so good. And, like, you know, you laugh. You almost want to cry. You know, there's a lot of heartfelt moments. And there's just an amazing story of the Seven Secrets. And then Suicide Squad, you know, everyone's getting excited for the new movie. And here comes Tom Taylor writing this incredible story, doubling the size of the Suicide Squad. And, like I said, from all the writers that have been in my top five, really changing 
the what the characters are all experiencing, but keeping the essence of who the Suicide Squad is there. And so I never don't recognize them as the Suicide Squad. They're always the Suicide Squad, but the mech the mechanism the mechanisms around them are changing, and that makes the story fresh and exciting. And they really use like this is what Tom Taylor's strength is, is he uses the tapestry of the entire DC Comics universe to tell his stories rather than like going to a certain like going to Gotham City and you don't see like you see the bat signal that'd be the only thing but no in this like they go to where Blue Beetle is and they run into Ted Cord and they uh run into different characters all throughout the DC universe and that's why I'm so bummed that series got canceled cuz Tom just wrote it so greatly um it was a thrill to read and man he just he knows like I know he's going to start doing some work for Marvel because I've heard it's coming, but I'm like, man, does he know DC really well? And it's like, he can do the same thing at DC that he's doing at Marvel. Like I'm on board all the way. All the way around. What? If he can do, if he can do the same thing at Marvel, they did at DC. Sorry. Oh yeah. That's what I mean. Reverse. I knew what you meant, but I wanted to say it correctly. Gosh. Yes. Wish wash <laughs> reverse. Uh, but the one thing I want to give credit to, to uh, Tom Taylor about it is he knows how to give you, you know, when he kills off a character, they're dead. And I don't, I haven't read the last two issues of Suicide Squad, but I'm, I'm guessing a specific character I like did not come back. And when, uh, who, the new leader, whatever his name was that took over for Amanda Waller, when they blank out that, that, his headshot, <laughs> when you choose to kill someone off and they actually stay dead, I respect that in the big two. So that's a big deal when, I don't know whether that's his decision or not, but I'm sure he wrote the story for it. Uh, is an excellent choice from him. My number one, uh, like I stated earlier, I was really looking through and seeing what really spoke to me and the uh, two series um, that this current writer has going on uh, are definitely uh, two of my favorite. And so in a way that uh, I'm constantly inhaling it every single time it comes out, uh, uh, another Tom, uh, Tom King, uh, his work on Strange Adventures and uh, Rorschach this year, and then uh, hopefully continues with the Batman Catwoman uh, coming up here. But at least in the Rorschach and the uh, Strange Adventures, I don't think there's two books that I look more forward to than those two. And every issue so far, uh, especially of Strange Adventures, I feel like uh, knocks out of the park. Not only is it uh, sometimes funny, uh, sometimes heartbreaking, but action-packed and telling a story in which we are over halfway in and the uh, book becomes more complex and the uh, story becomes more intriguing and it definitely is at a place now that I never expected it to be from issue one and there's no stopping it, uh, the momentum of the book, and I feel like uh, it definitely is going to end up being one of my favorites uh, with the next uh, half of books. Uh, Rorschach also from the first two issues. Uh, definitely the the shit I like, I'll say. Uh, inve- inject that right into my veins. Uh, de- definitely the... Um, here, here's the way I'm going to say this. And, and in a way, if anybody's seen both these things, it's going to be like, really? That's the thing you go with? But in a way, it kind of feels like that for me. Uh, I just got... Uh, finish because uh, I had long, long time ago had watched the first four seasons of The Wire and then I watched season five. Um, 
because I, I bought the complete series on DVD back when you could buy shit on DVD and it made it made sense to buy it on DVD. And uh, somebody borrowed it, one of my friends, and uh, they took season five and said, hey, I'm on season five. I'll get it back to you. Never got it back to me. And so with the new Avenue HBO Max, I can finally catch up with them. I was like, you know what? Let me watch it. And like, if you ever want to know like what what's that thing that Marvin likes that maybe is not everybody's cup of tea, it's The Wire season five. Like it definitely is a lot about politics. Definitely is a lot about like um, what it means to be uh, uh, a newspaper reporter and what it means to be like a detective and all the kind of like everything about that season is what I like. And I feel like Rorschach has that same kind of feeling and he has the same kind of elements in which every page uh, of that comic, I think really uh, speaks to me in a way that, um, even Strange Avengers, I don't think it does. But it's only two issues in. Good change. Uh, Strange Avengers definitely is, uh, at this point, stronger just because of how many uh, um, 10 out of 10s it's had. You know what I mean? It's, it's a track record that definitely speaks to the quality of that book. So, uh, Tom King, my number one, which uh, um, I think he had a rough 2019. I think if you go back to the show in 2019, you would see a lot of 2019 uh, me not liking uh, Tom King uh, with Heroes in Crisis and his Batman kind of stuff. Um, I think he's kind of got out of that in a way uh, the Phoenix rised again. And um, uh, my definitely somebody who was one of my favorite writers in 2018 and, and prior, uh, I think, is back to the place where I hold him in high regard. So Tom King, my number one. Hmm. So I wanted to give Tom King a spot on my list, and I just I I couldn't get past Rorschach, uh, and I obviously am the yeah, the yeah. only one who will continue to to give this man the high praise that I feel he needs. Uh, Jeff Lemire is my number one. The man has put out so many books in just one year, a year that's been hard for everybody, and he knows how to write uh, quality and quantity. Uh, which are an important thing, especially during this pandemic when you almost need something fun to read. He's either got you covered in the horror, he's got you covered in your your uh, even more horror-esque <laughs> and family tree. And that's the only problem I'm having is that we're still waiting for issue 27 and number 11 or 12 to come out for Family Tree and Gideon Falls. And I get that's kind of how this award show goes. But I got such high expectations. And it's with Ascender. That Ascender is like that fun fantasy sci-fi book that, He's got every avenue covered, whether he's working on the big two or doing his own stuff. They're always good and they're always spectacular. Even on a, a week where I give him an eight, it's still better than some of the other books that I have read. There you so go. for me, he gets the turkey plus one. Now we'll see maybe next year. He got the maybe quad. He'll show up. He's a contender. You never know. There you go. Jeff Lemire, Tom King, Tom Taylor, uh, three great writers in their own right. Um, I think if you average it out, then I guess Jeff Lemire still wins. So if you go two, two, and one, who knows though? I don't know. Uh, I don't. Uh, I'm not going to do that math tonight, and I'm not going to do that math ever. Uh, <laughs> so actually, if you remember the beginning of the show, and uh, these guys know the plan was to play game four, but if we do that now, this, this show definitely will run uh, way past two hours. Um, I just know it because those questions. There's no way it's going to take as quick to get through that game. Ooh. So I made the executive decision. That game four has been postponed uh, to next week, which will bring us either to a 3-1 Garrett up or a 2-2 tie. And then on the Christmas episode, which I was looking to do, uh, figure out what to do anyways, we will have the final games uh, of the uh, comic book games. So either we have uh, Garrett clinching it with game uh, five, having four to one, 
or we go into the Christmas at two to two and we play a couple and maybe get on to the final game and see who turns out to be a champion come for champions night stay for the ham and we will uh open some presents at the end it's gonna be a fantastic show uh, i think with adding the elements that those are the final games i think it'll add a little uh pep to the step we'll get fucking yeah uh, steven steven no steven's gone who's the other guy jimmy, jimmy. we'll give jimmy back in here we're gonna get uh greta uh, is going to show up, uh, Nora, not invited, and uh, we'll get the show. Maybe, you know what? I think I'm going invi- to invite Bob and Theo and uh, and their mom. So. Oh, jeez. So they might be there, too. Arnold might be there also. So, uh, Sounds like our party's getting a little out of hand. <laughs> Inviting those crazy people to watch you get branded. Uh, let us know what your top five artists and writers, and even new series were the year. WednesdayComics605 at gmail.com. 605-215-1849 is the phone number to call us on or go to wednesdaycomics.com and leave us a message there. There's a little button that says leave message. You can also go to wednesdaycomics.com and subscribe to the show. Uh, different platforms, whatever uh, is your platform of choice. You can also click on the little link that says webpage. It'll bring you to our merch page. You can get a nice uh, coffee cup. I saw Garrett drinking a nice cup of joe out of the Wednesday Comics mug. Uh, like I said, getting cold out there. Get a sweater. Uh, get a long sleeve, get something, cover up them arms, uh, chill, chill, chill in the air. And uh, you can also make sure to go to Twitter, at Wednesday Comics is all of us, or you can see Alex over at Alex Pastrello, at Alex Pastrello, at Karat2188, locker number, and at Marvin underscore Salguero. <laughs> uh, make sure to visit our sponsors, as I mentioned, the aforementioned RainbowComicsAndCards.com for all your comics needs. And also, uh, RootsOfTheSwampThing.com, I think I mentioned last week, congratulations to John, our friend John Boylan, got married. I made a recent post here since our last episode about life in the new Swamp Thing room. I was looking over his new uh, room that he has his collectibles in. Uh, Looks nice. Nice uh, setup he's got there. He's got a little picture of him and his uh, wife are outside their new home. Uh, Congratulations to John. And uh, you know what? Swamp Thing place looking nice. Uh, looking nice. I see a nice swamp thing head in the corner. That's where we keep that thing. So uh, it looks like if you walked into the room, that thing might scare the bejesus out of you. So um, you know me, if I had one of those, I would constantly be scared by it. I constantly would think it's some. Did I ever tell you, what was it? Um, God, what was it? There was something in my house. I forget what it is now, so the story's going to be kind of lame because I can't remember what it is. But it was in such a place that every single time I saw it out of the corner of my eye, I fucking jumped. And then I would be like, oh, it's that fucking thing again. But no matter how many times I jumped, I would never learn to be like, no, this thing's in this room. Like, you're, you're going to think it's a person. It's not a person. So, uh, uh, Do you have a styrofoam head or something? No, it's something stupid like a lamp. <laughs> I'll figure out what it is and tell you next week on the show, but it literally was something inanimate. didn't even look like a fucking human, but every single time I saw it, I would think it's a person. Uh, and it, it, it was nothing. So, um, I, You know what, guys? Strong top fives here, artists and writers. It's been a great year, 2020 of comics. It only took me looking back at what's been coming out this year to make me be like, man, what's a good year? I, I thought going into these awards, I thought it may be the opposite. Uh, turns out it uh, is still is strong, and when you look back at uh, as I mentioned before, like what kind of year it's been outside of comics. Yeah, it gets a little dark and gloomy, but uh, comics uh, still holding strong, even with the little pause we had 
in March and April, uh, uh, which kind of messed things up. But I think at this point, they've uh, caught their uh, stride and gotten back to normal. And I think we have only uh, more good things to look forward to in 2021. So join us next week for our top five series of 2020. That's an all-encompassing series. Could be anything. Uh, We'll see you next week for Wednesday Comics. I've been Marvin. I'm Alex. I'm Garrett. Hey, everyone. Stay healthy and keep turning those pages.